live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. As we figure out how we are going to reopen the state, I've been arguing for the longest time that we need to be smart about it. And so far, I I don't think some of the things that we've heard have been smart. We need to recognize that a regional approach is the best because the problems that you have in lacrosse are different than the problems you have in, in Milwaukee. And that's what the president's guidelines recognize, but Governor Evers doesn't. On top of that, we need to recognize that in general, I, I think people are pretty smart. And if we are able to continue to engage in this social distancing, we can open up portions of the state much more safely than, than maybe we thought. For example, and after the program ended yesterday, I I sent out a tweet to this story. Remember two and a half weeks ago when we had the election? And again, you you can argue about whether or not in an era of coronavirus and the pandemic, whether we should have gone ahead with the in-person election. Okay, reasonable people can disagree on that. But remember, there were predictions, and you you heard all this talk. Boy, if we're going to do this, we're going to be killing people, and this is is just terrible. We're going to be looking at these massive increases in, in presence of COVID-19. And so now, um, 16 days after the election, the truth is that did not happen. That That's just the reality. The, the best numbers they can come up with is apparently there were 20, there were 19 people in the entire state, 19 thus far, who voted or worked at the polls who've now tested positive for COVID-19. Now, of course, it's not right or accurate or fair to automatically assume that the reason those 19 people got COVID-19 was because they showed up at the polls and voted, that they could have been exposed to it somewhere else. So, yes, there's a correlation, but there's no sort of causation at all. But even if there is, it's 19. And even if... Even if that 19 number is directly related to the election, which is a big if, and even if that's low, which is probably the case, you you still, you're not seeing this huge, enormous spike. And I think it's fair to infer from that the fact that, okay, people are smart. People separated. They, you know, we, people brought their own pens and, you know, a lot of people wore face masks. I, I don't think that we can automatically assume that if we start to reopen the state, for example, people are suddenly, as a general rule, going to start to ignore all the rules. All right. So that's number one. As a matter of fact, I sent out a tweet on that. If you follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. On top of that, I, I think we have to look at the data and see not only where the, the cases are, but who is it that's affected most directly. And, and there's a very, very interesting study that is just out, and they're, they're looking at people in New York City, which, of course, has been the epicenter of this. It was kind of fascinating because the researchers decided to say, okay, are people who are hospitalized, 
hospitalized with COVID-19. Because the, the truth of the matter is there's lots of people who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 who have been ill, but they haven't required hospitalization. And there's a lot of people walking around that, that are asymptomatic. By that, I mean they, they probably had it, but they, they just they had no symptoms or the symptoms were so mild that they didn't end up seeking treatment. So you, you've got that population out there. But let's talk about the people who presented with COVID-19 and who had to be hospitalized. And it's fascinating. So here's what they did. This study looked at the people in New York City who were hospitalized due to coronavirus. And what they did is they pulled the records of 5,700 patients who were hospitalized within the largest health care system in, in New York City, the one that housed the most patients in the country during the pandemic. And what they found in this study was that 94% of the patients who were hospitalized, who had to be hospitalized because of COVID-19, 94% had more than one disease other than COVID-19. The data that they looked at showed the median age of patients was 63 years old. 53% of all coronavirus patients suffered from hypertension. 42% were um, obese. And 32% suffered from diabetes. All right. And so then it goes on. But the point here is that if you're looking at the people who had to be hospitalized, and this is probably no surprise, it's mostly people who had those underlying health conditions that you know, we have been discussing. And, and again, it, it makes sense on so many levels. If you've, you know, if you've got hypertension, the high blood pressure issues, if you're obese, if you've got uh, especially unmanaged diabetes or diabetes that isn't being managed very well, yes, this is a particularly devastating sort of disease. Now, what can you perhaps infer from that as you're trying to decide where we move forward? Well, could it be that there's different considerations that different people have to have. Namely, if you're one of those people that fits into the the high-risk group, well, you need to take different precautions, perhaps, than people who, who aren't suffering from as many of those groups. I mean, I have, I've said this before. I mean, I, I have friends who, for example, have respiratory issues, and, and I don't know when the next time I would recommend, if they were to ask me, I don't know when their next time is that I would recommend that one of my friends with like respiratory problems, for example, you know, go, goes back into an even semi-crowded restaurant. Because candidly, my thinking is it's not worth the risk because if my friend with the respiratory problem goes in and happens to catch this, it's going to be really, really ugly. On the other hand, you know, if you have somebody who is in their 40s who is otherwise perfectly healthy, The risk is a lot less, which brings me to the point of why I think, you know, we need to be smart and we need to recognize as we reopen the state, that doesn't mean that everybody needs to run out and say, gee, okay, now's the time I want to go stand in in the sports bar. There's some people who probably shouldn't do that, not today, not a week from now, not a month from now, maybe not even a year from now, unless we've got a working treatment and unless we've got a vaccine. Right, but at the same time, does that mean that we say to the otherwise healthy 30-some-year-old, no, you, you can't do this because 
We are concerned that, gee, if somebody who's 80 years old gets this, they're going to have a really, really bad reaction. We need to be smart moving forward. And that's why I thought this study was so fascinating as they really look at the empirical data. Who are the, and it makes sense, who are the people that get hit the hardest? Well, it's the people that do have these various pre-existing conditions, which means moving forward, whether or not you open up the flower store, whether or not you open up the barber shops, whether or not you um, open up picnic areas, if you are one of those people that are in these high-risk groups, doesn't matter whether it's open or not, you probably should not be doing anything other than sheltering in place for the foreseeable future. But for other people, should you be smart? Which brings me to what I want to talk to you to start about the, to start the program off with. Seven weeks from now, I am supposed to jump on a jet and head off on a vacation. I will tell you about that, and we'll discuss whether if you were me, you would go. Stick around. It's all coming up. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. All right, seven weeks from today. My wife and I, my brother, my niece, and my nephew were supposed to jump on a jet and fly to Disney World in Florida for a week-long vacation. Disney World, as with Disneyland and with a lot of the other uh, big resorts all across the country, are, of course, closed. There's a new report out there, a couple people saying they don't think that Disney World and Disneyland, they don't think that these parks are going to open up until January 1st of next year. There's some people that are saying they're going to be closed for at least several months. Now, that's not what Disneyland is saying. That's not what you know Disney World is saying. But there are reports that are saying that. But everybody, I think, acknowledges that even, even when they open up, whether it's next week, Memorial Day weekend, 4th of July, Labor Day, whatever, whenever these places, these theme parks, etc., open up, they're going to open up with, you know, markedly different circumstances. I mean, it's, and some of the things they're saying, if you've been to Disney World, they're saying, well, you know, because, I mean, think about Disney World. You go to Disney World at popular times, and it's long lines to get onto various rides. You're jumping into, you know, the roller coaster car right after, you know, other people have gotten into the roller coaster car. They get out, you jump in, so there's no sanitation. You're not wiping down one cart, you know, after you know somebody's just used it. You know, long lines, people crowded into the restaurants. A lot of the restaurants and the serving things are cafeteria style, which, you know, how who, so, who knows when that's going to come back. You know, you've got the parades that they have where, you know, people are close in. And so, you know, whenever they open it up, the truth of the matter is it's not going to be like it was if you're used to going on that, that Disney World or Disneyland experience. I, I just don't see how it, it can be because the, these parks operate under the premise that you've got huge crowds. And I don't know that you know people are going to be comfortable with that, and I don't know that it's going to be that anybody is going to feel comfortable being into in the, the large crowds. I mean, it's one thing, again, if you want to go and, and have a beer at, you know, your favorite restaurant and you go in there and they, they've reduced the capacity by 50 percent, etc., it's another thing to go to a place like, like Disney World. Well, like I say, I mean, as it stands right now, we're scheduled to hop on a jet 
um, early, or it's actually it's the, like the second week in June. I think it's seven weeks from today. Fly down to Disney World, spend a, a week there. It's normally something that I would enjoy doing, even though I, I didn't necessarily get the roller coaster gene in our family. But, you know, go to the different restaurants, hang out by the pools, walk through the parks, play golf. We've got all that stuff set up. And now my brother and I are wrestling with this issue about even if they open it up, even if it is open, do you still go? Because, number one, the experience is going to be decidedly different. Number two, let's face it, there is going to be a risk factor that's there. And number three, it's going to be something that's weighing on, on your mind. And I guess if you're going to be going on a vacation, don't you want to be able to just say, hey, I, I want to get away from everything. I, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy myself. And the truth of the matter is, can you really do that knowing that we're still, whether we flatten the curve, whether we're getting a handle on this, can you really enjoy that if, you know, these these are the times? Especially, you know, if you're, again, if not even if you're not in necessarily in one of the, these targeted groups, but I don't know, if, if you're a little bit older or something. You know, maybe it's something for... You know, you got a different concern if you're 18 years old than you have if you're not 18. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's say Disney World opens up in the next few weeks. Let's say it's open by Memorial Day. Do you go there in June? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will be honest with you, even if it's open, I'm having real strong second thoughts about whether I want to jump on a jet, fly halfway around the country, and be one of the be one of the guinea pigs. I'm not sure I want to be. Forget not sure. I don't think I want to be. You know, one of the the first people going into you know one of these large park situations. The mayor of Las Vegas wants to open up everything right away. Just let's open it up. They want to turn Las Vegas into the test case. I love Las Vegas. I really do. I don't know that I want to be one of those guinea pigs, and I feel that way about Las Vegas, and I think I feel that way about Disney World. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you had a trip lined up in, in the next month or so, would you go? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, live sporting events, it's been a while, but now the NFL draft is here. It's live, and it's unlike any draft you've ever seen before. Join WTMJ and 94.5 ESPN for the biggest and best 2020 NFL draft coverage on the radio. Hear from Packers legend Mark Tauscher, voice of the green and gold, Wayne Larrabee, and many more starting this evening, 6 o'clock. The 2020 NFL Draft Show, presented by Professional Construction, Inc., Palermo's Pizza, White Claw, and Wisconsin On Demand. Check it out. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Even though I'm one of these people who thinks that we need to start reopening the state and we can do it in a smart way without having to wait another month or two, i got to tell you, I'm a long way off from thinking large, large groups. Got a trip to Disney World planned seven weeks from now. I'm not sure at all that I want to be that, that, that guinea pig. Jeff, go for it. You're healthy. Virus has a 97% recovery rate. Be careful and cautious, obviously. Why live in fear? 
Well, okay. Well, it's I don't know if it's a question of, of living in fear. It's a question of, again, risk-reward. Jeff, if Florida theme parks are open, go. It'll be cheaper, much less crowded, and wouldn't it nice be nice to someday reminisce about how you were part of the first wave of people to attend after the reopening? Uh, yes, it, it would be. I guess the flip side of that would be if, if you happen to to get the virus and, and be sick and have to quarantine yourself for you know a few weeks, that that would not be <laughs> that would not be something that I I want to be bragging about. Uh, Jeff, you have a better chance of getting carjacked than getting sick. You said you were a prosecutor. You should be more worried about retaliation than getting a cold. Well, I'm not not worried about. I don't have feet of clay. Not worried about those people I put in prison, you know, decades ago. But at the same time, I, you you want to be smart about this. Mike and Rippin. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. How you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, um, would you go? Um, I personally probably shouldn't because I have an underlying condition. Right. Um, but, but I would like to see people get out and start doing things again. I kind yep. of believe that herd immunity is going to be the way to beat this. Um, mm-hmm. Watching the show last night, they said HIV and SARS. We don't have a vaccine for that yet. So I, I don't really necessarily think a vaccine is a sure thing. I know they're kind of different, but... Um, I think younger, stronger people that get immune to it and the herd immunity would kind of be a helpful thing. And I was telling your caller, my wife and I went up to Toronto, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, right after the SARS thing to see, like, Russian ACDC. And it was an extremely inexpensive trip, and they were serving hamburgers from Alberta, and that was right after mad cow disease. So we were kind of rolling the (laughs) dice on both of those things. Yeah, but I wanted to right. see Rush, and it was an inexpensive trip, and we had a great time, and everything worked out right. fine. This is a different situation, but nevertheless, yeah, it is. that's hey, th- kind of my thought. Yeah, no, I thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it, and and I mean, see, I I just think it it's a it's a balancing act, and just because you recognize that, okay, even if you catch this, if you're not in one of these like really targeted groups, chances are it, it it's not going to be something that that kills you. That still doesn't mean you want to get it. And it doesn't mean you want to risk spreading it to other people. So, again, it's all that, that kind of risk-reward thing. I think applying this, I think there's a lot of us who really do want to start to get this state open, for example, sooner rather than later. We're still going to be a little bit reluctant to go into big groups, which is why, as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I think Fourth of July celebrations, I, I think a lot of the big summer festivals, they're, they're just history. And I understand because people are going to be reluctant to want to be in those big groups. Go to WeedManUSA.com today. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are heroes among us who run toward danger rather than run away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, go to WTMJ.com and nominate them. It's Steve Scafidi's salute to service on WTMJ. This is, I think, the third year that... uh, Steve has done that. It is a very, very worthwhile event. I'm getting a number of texts from people who are saying, well, you can't live your life in, in fear. You know, and if, and if you've got vacation scheduled, you, you should go. And I guess my point is, I don't know that it's living your life in fear. It's, 
it's balancing risk versus reward. For example, Disney World is always going to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Disney World is going to be there. So if if it means, or even if they were to reopen in June, and, and like I say, there's all these reports out there saying they think it might be closed till January. But even if it were to reopen in, in the next few weeks, all right, given the fact that th- there is still this virus that is out there, there's still a lot of people that are getting it, and even if you accept the idea that most people are going to get it, are going to recover without any sort of long-term implications, you, you don't want to be one of those people that, that doesn't fit in that category. So, I mean, do you need to go in, in mid-June, or do you say, okay, let's tell you what, let's, let's just relook at this, and, and maybe we'll go down there in October, or maybe we'll go down there next February or something like that. To me, that is the balancing, and it's the practical balancing that I think a lot of people are going to be doing moving forward when they say, you know, all right, I, I see that my favorite uh, artist is resuming his or her tour, and, you know, they're coming and they're going to put, be putting on a, a show uh, in August, and I'd really like to see them, but, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm just willing to wait. A lot of people are just going to be saying that they're, they're willing to wait and kind of ride this all out. And, again, I don't know that that's, I don't know that it's fair to say that's living your life in fear. It's just, again, balancing risk and reward. Somebody sent me a text saying, Jeff, if you were just going to a condo and not Disney, would you be more likely to go? And, and my response was, well, let's say I, I owned a second place you know, down in Florida. Would I be more likely to, to travel to that place? Yeah, I'd be more likely to, to do that. It's but you know, doing that, I'm not going to be exposed to long lines and large crowds. And for me, that's one of the things that, that would bother me about that. All right. So we're wrestling with how we reopen the state and lots of conversations about that. If you're a regular listener, you know where I stand on this. I, I think one size doesn't fit all. The instances of coronavirus are are much greater in a small part of the parts of the state and I think the rules for reopening in those parts of the state should be different from the rules for reopening in in other parts of the state that's where I come down on this but there's an interesting survey that's out there the Madison newspapers had this and it's talking about the effect that what's been going on has on business here's the top line thing 35% more than a third of Wisconsin businesses Responding to a new survey, say they will be forced to shut down permanently if the state's current economic shutdown persists for more than three months. Now, keep in mind, it's already gone on for for a month, and you know the governor has extended his orders for you know another six weeks. And assuming that that's not overturned by the courts, I mean, you're looking at at close to uh, again. We're almost at that three, we'll almost be at that three month period. You've got about 35% of the businesses saying they're not going to be able to reopen. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now that is clearly an apple, uh, you know, that, that's a, it, that's the apocalypse. If, if really you have more than a third of the state's businesses that are going to be shuttered, not paying taxes to the state, not paying salaries to employees, not buying goods in the supply chain. If, if it's really 35%, that is something that's going to be a long, long time for the state of Wisconsin to recover from. My question to you is, do you believe those numbers? 
855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If this shutdown continues, and I'm not arguing the merits of the shutdown, it's a whole different conversation, but there, there are very, very real effects of shutting down huge chunks of this state. And if it does, in fact, continue for the next, I don't know, six weeks, do you believe the, these predictions that maybe as many as a third of the businesses in the state aren't going to reopen? And if that's the case, what does that mean for the state moving forward? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While Gru is lining up the calls, I'll, I'll give you my assessment. I, I don't know 35%, but I, I would not be surprised at all. I, I think at, at least 25% of businesses and, and perhaps perhaps more. I don't find this to be an outrageous number. I think particularly, and it's not just small businesses. I mean, I think there's a lot of businesses who have been cash-strapped to begin with, you know, but they've still got debts. They, they've got to pay their rent on their buildings. You know, they've got to, they've got to pay off their suppliers, and, and they use the revenues that they have been getting from day-to-day operations. You close those day-to-day operations down, and you, you close them down, and you keep them closed. I think there's going to be a lot of businesses, small medium and maybe even large that end up making the decision you know what this has just been too much of a blow we are not going to be able to recover 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line do you believe these estimates we discuss in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on this is jeff wagner wtmj back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. New survey. 35% of Wisconsin businesses say they will close permanently if the shutdown continues for essentially another month and a half, another two months. Is that an unduly unrealistic number? I don't necessarily think so. Um, one of the reasons I love this job is we get so many different opinions. Dave in Appleton. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I think the number's low. And low. This is low. I, you're closer going to be closer. To, if this goes on for another month or so, you're going to be closer to 50%. I'm in a essential position at the moment, so thank goodness I'm working. But three months from now, I'm going to become unessential because there's not going to be any place to go back to work again. I'm in construction. And right, right now i got three houses in the pipeline. Three months from now, no one's going to be buying the house. No one's going to be building the house. No one's going to be doing anything if, with this is going on. And uh, all the benefits are all going to be burned up by then. So fortunately, I'm, you know, right. financially not, secure. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And, and, and like you said, we've got to open up at least the northern two-thirds of the state to just to begin with and then just go from there because it doesn't matter if you live or die if there's nothing left to live for well thanks thanks for call i appreciate i guess i mean to me though i mean i don't want to say it. it's it's all about i mean it's all about managing you know risk and reward and all those different types of situations it, it is interesting uh, about this these numbers though because even even if we start to reopen you got to understand that doesn't mean that people are going to be flocking back. See, that's that's the other problem. I mean, right now you've got the government-imposed shutdown. You, you, you're not supposed to go out of your house. Only patronize the essential businesses. But just 
just it, when, once you, you open up, does that mean that people are suddenly going to be just rushing out? And my guess is it's going to be a, a long, slow process. There was a story I was reading in one of the papers today about, for example, minor league baseball. Up in Appleton, you've got the, the Dave was calling from Appleton. You know, Wisconsin Rapids, that is. You've got the, um, you've got the, the Timber Rattlers, the, the Brewers Farm Club. And, okay, minor league baseball teams, they, they depend, their livelihood is getting butts in the seats, getting fans through the, the doors. And, you know, even even if you were to say, okay, we're going to open up and we're going to start playing a modified season, how many fans are going to be running through the doors? And, Dave, you raise an interesting point about for, for people who have been, who are in the quote-unquote non-essential work, the people who have been furloughed, the hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites who have lost their jobs through no fault of of their own and who don't have any independent income coming in, um, how many of those are going to have jobs to go back to? And, you know, what what is their discretionary spending going to be? Are are they going to have money to suddenly run out and start patronizing businesses? 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Doug in Fond du Lac. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how's it going? Real well, thank you. Okay, this number says it may be 35% of Wisconsin businesses. Do you believe that? No, I I have trouble believing that. And I guess I don't un- – I've been talking to a lot of people about this because I don't understand if you are a successful business before this started, why can't you be a successful business after this started? Why – why why do you have to shut your doors permanently and i i guess that's the where i get caught up we may see a lot well, of chapter 11 bankruptcies yeah yes well i mean i guess the the idea would be i mean you you have successful businesses but still who who operate that they, they use credit lines for example um they you know they they have a certain cash flow and you disrupt that cash flow just like an individual okay if, if all of a sudden you know you've got no as a we always tell people you should have six months of savings you know lined up but who really does that not that many people so i guess the concern would be you've got a business that depends on cash flow you've got no no cash coming in for for several months, and you still got your expenses, your rent, your insurance, all those type of things. Uh, you know, wh- where how do you replace that lost income? Well, and I just I, I don't know. I like I said, I think you might see a lot of Chapter Eleven bankruptcies yeah. because people do uh, operate with too much debt. Um, yep. But uh, you know, I I just think. There are too many entrepreneurs in our country to just say all of these businesses are going to close. If something closes, something else is going to fill that void. There's, if, if one business shuts, something else is going to open to fill that service, I think. I just, I just well, think and- those numbers are really skewed. Good enough. No, thanks. And, and that, I mean, see, that's if you want to be the glasses half full guy, that that's the that's the argument that all right, we're we're a country of of supply and demand, and let's say the local, all right, the the, the nursery that's been in business for the last 30 years down the road from you. But let's say that that's, you know, it, it's always operated on, on tight margins and things like that, and they've lost a huge chunk of the spring season, so they're, they're, they're just 
they're they're not this is when normally these nurseries would be just packed with people buying flowers and trees and all this type of stuff they've they've lost that um they had tight cash flows and so they they, they decide that they're going to go belly up and they're, they're not going to reopen well the argument is okay well somebody's going to come along and then fill that need and open up their own nursery and that might be true down the line, I guess the question becomes, how, how long is it going to be? Where are those people that have that, that cash that are going to say, okay, we're, we're going to move in and we're going to try to fill this void? Long term, maybe so. Short term, boy, I don't know about it. Joel in Greenfield. Joel, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I yes, absolutely sir. agree with I absolutely agree with those numbers. I've seen some national studies that are predicting close to the same thing, not to mention some worldwide studies that say this epidemic, this pandemic is going to make a half a billion people go bankrupt or into poverty. And my concern is this other side of the coin that it appears no one's addressing is bankruptcy and poverty also has a huge mortality. These people can't yeah. get good medical care. They can't pay for prescriptions. The suicide rate skyrockets psychiatric illness, you know, the morbidity that I'm very disappointed that our governors, most of our legislators aren't looking at the other side of the coin and what not to mention 35 percent of heart attacks are down. We're not seeing as many in ERs. There is a lot of risk. Those heart attacks didn't disappear. They're just afraid to go to hospitals. What about all the other illnesses out there, Jeff? Well, yeah, and thanks for the call. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about that a little later in the program, the fact that uh, there's a lot of people that are delaying, uh, again, treatments. And, and even if you want to get treatments for a lot of stuff, I mean, there, there's no I, colonoscopies. Okay, they're, they're not doing colonoscopies now. The hip replacements, the, um, okay, you've got the, the little skin cancer thing. They're, they're, as a general rule, they're not doing that type of stuff. If you're scheduled to go in for routine, routine blood work and checkups on pre-existing type of conditions, as a general rule, that, that's not being done right now and and you're right there there is a risk that's associated with that uh, again i just we are in real uncertain times and one of the things that is a little bit frustrating to me is i'm not sure that some of our elected officials perceive the urgency that, that attaches to the need to in a responsible fashion allow some of these businesses to start reopening which is why for the longest time I have been arguing that this this essential versus non-essential thing really doesn't make sense. What what makes sense to me is saying, all right, is opening a particular business, is allowing that business to open, is it going to significantly contribute to the likelihood of the incidence of of this virus spreading um, geometrically? Or, or is it not? So if you open up the garden center, for example, so you let people, you know, buy plants so they can, you know, putter around their, their yard, is that going to significantly increase the risk that you're going to have a spike in the, the virus that, you know, you, you're not otherwise getting by the fact that you have all these other grocery stores and all these other types of stores that, that are open? That, to me, is what the inquiry should be. I don't know if this number is, is accurate or not, but I, I think it's going to be a huge number, and I think that uh, this is it's a huge factor that, that is out there it, and it's it's not just small businesses and it's not just medium-sized businesses i mean you can look at some national chains there are a number of people who think that jc pennies which has of course been around forever 
and Macy's that, that they they might not survive this. Now, they've already shut down, but these are businesses that were struggling to begin with because of the change in American shopping habits. You add in the fact that you've got the competition from the Internet. So these are businesses that were, were in some cases, kind of hemorrhaging cash. They, they have lines of credit that they operate on. You know, you I mean, in the department store business, generally speaking, what happens, it, it's kind of like the car business. You, 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 you finance the cars. The, the dealer buys the cars, and then you sell the car, and then you pay off the loan for the car, and then you, you keep the extra money. So you, you need to keep having you know the cars moving off the lot. In JCPenney's, Macy's, okay, they, they buy the product, and then what happens is people come in, they, they purchase the product, and then JCPenney's uses that money that they've got to, to pay off their debts. Well, okay, they, they're, they're not doing that now, and you still have the debts. And the further and further this goes, the more it becomes difficult to dig out of the hole. Bottom line of all this is, is 35%? I don't know. That I hope that's way high, but it's going to have a significant impact, and we need to be aware of that as well. Now, I get people texting me saying, one person getting sick is too many. Well, no, sorry. People get sick all the time. You know, you have to balance risk and reward. And the, given the fact that we're going to have COVID-19 with us for years, probably, the, the idea of trying to keep all businesses closed down because one person might get sick just doesn't work that way. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back in the next hour of the program, how do, can we live with coronavirus? Is it time to open up the prisons And how about masks in public? And then a little bit later on, once this is all over, what's the first thing you're going to do? All coming up. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. Just a couple of thoughts to wrap up from the end of the last hour. I had a text. Jeff, I've had to close my metal finishing shop. Friday is the last day. I was in business for 36 years. Until they find a cure or a vaccine, this is going to go on for years. This is the new world. And, and yeah, I think that that's kind of the case, which is why when the people call or send me texts and say, if, 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 we lose, if one person gets sick, it, it's too many. Well, that's, I'm sorry, that, that is not a realistic approach to it because people are going to be getting sick from COVID-19 for the foreseeable future because even if we get a vaccine, there's a lot of people that aren't going to get the vaccine. The question becomes, can you manage this? And, and that's what the whole flatten the curve was about. Let's not overwhelm the healthcare system, but let's recognize that we're going to have to deal with that. And that is kind of the reality. There's there's a piece that I, in the Wall Street Journal today, and if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 it, it's it's a very interesting one. It's called How We'll Live with Coronavirus, and it, it talks about the reality that we are a social people and that you know, we're, we're going to start returning to life as normal and that you know, the politicians can put all these, okay, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, but there's only so much of a shelf life on that. But the real interesting you know, point to me that the, the writer makes is that you know, there, there is this, this other thing. If, if you look... You know, we've pretty much shut down our health care system um, dealing with, you know, cor- coronavirus. And, you know, people, you know, aren't people aren't getting treatment for all sorts of, of other stuff. And the operative thing is the, the, 
what's going to happen ultimately is COVID is going to have to be managed like a chronic disease, but not as, as the only disease. And maybe hospitals are going to need special COVID wards and other temporary facilities. But at the same time, you, you can't just say to people, you're, you're not going to be able to get regular treatment and you're not going to be able to get elective surgeries. And we just have to recognize that this is going to be with us. And it's always going to be a risk that you could, in, in fact, catch that. And it's why, if you are one of these people that are in the target groups, it's why I started the program talking about, hey, if they looked, they looked at all the people that were hospitalized in New York in the major health care, and almost all of them, 95%, were either obese, they had hypertension, or they had uncontrolled diabetes. So, I mean, if you're in those target groups, you're going to have to be especially careful moving forward, but at the same time, the, the risk that somebody who is otherwise healthy might get the virus, I, you, you can't, you cannot close down the world for that. Which brings me to what I want to talk to you about next. In Brown County, they have had an absolute surge over the last week or so of COVID-19 cases. Brown County epicenter right now, I think, in, in Wisconsin. But unlike some areas where you don't know where it happened. In Brown County, they, they know what happened. There were meatpacking plants. And, of course, if you've ever been in a meatpacking plant, there's, there, there's, there's only so much that you can do to maintain social distancing. I mean, you, you, you can set up plexiglass barriers and things like that, but, you know, there's, even if you've got people that are wearing the masks, there's, there's water splashing all around. I mean, so the masks are getting wet. You are in close contact with people. That is kind of the nature of the business. You can do the best you can to maintain sanitary conditions and to wipe down these areas, but you're in close contact on lines. It, it's an area where even the best intended sort of thing is not going to be a guarantee that that a virus is not going to spread. And in Brown County, uh, they've just reported, this is as of yesterday, 147 cases of COVID-19 stemming from workers and relatives who live with the workers from infections at one plant, JBS Packerland. 39 other cases traceable to American Food Group, 19 to SAM Partners in, in Denmark. So that's that's almost 200 cases, all traceable to a couple of these meatpacking plants. And that's, while that is an extreme situation, it is not unique. I mean, you see some of these meatpacking companies all across the country who are having a much higher instance of coronavirus then you're, you're seeing at other facilities, other manufacturing facilities across the country. And, and I think in large part, it's because of the nature of how you have to operate if you're you know, in the meatpacking business. So you've had some of these plants across the country which have closed down. You know, Cudahy, the, the Smithfield announced that they were going to, because they had an, an outbreak of coronavirus, they were going to close uh, their plant temporarily for a couple weeks and, and to sanitize it and then and then reopen. But it, it's going to be a problem. That is one of the things we're seeing in this particular area. It's tough to stop the workers from getting this particular disease. It's just kind of the nature of, of the business. Now, obviously, the companies can do more. But if we accept the premise that there is there's just an inherent risk, because it's almost impossible to social distance in these type of plants, here is my question. Are you willing to give up meat? 
855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of the hot spots across the nation, and certainly, again, if you're looking at the Wisconsin numbers, it's it's tied to the meatpacking industry. Now, so far, when it comes to the, the food chain, we've been very, very good in this country. You haven't seen dramatic shortages, certainly of food. I, I understand it's tough to find hand sanitizer. I understand we went through the thing where people were having trouble finding toilet paper and things like that. But as far as, far as food, you know, there, there hasn't been a, an issue. I understand that sometimes, you know, you, you might go into the store and they're, they're sold out of chicken or, you know, there, there's no hamburger from the day. But typically that, that's been because people went in and, and they just bought enormous amounts of, of food. And then the next day you got the shipment of chicken. There was chicken that was in or there was ground beef that was in, etc. But this this is now the fundamental question. If we look forward, if we accept the idea that gee, there's going to be some risk attached in some of these facilities. And no matter how much you try to do to to sanitize them, et cetera, et cetera, just the nature of the contact is at least it's kind of risky for some of the workers. Should we step in and say, okay, we're closing these places down, even though they're essential businesses? And what would that mean if we were no longer able to get, say, meat and poultry? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this a bridge too far if we recognize that, okay, it's an essential business, but it's still a, a risky business? Would you shut down meat processing plants across the country until, I don't know, until we get a handle on COVID-19, which might be a year from now? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. Are you ready to give up? meet for, I don't know, safety of the workers. 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Southeastern Wisconsin, well, it's open for business. During these unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to WTMJ.com right now. You will find a We're Open link on the homepage. You'll see a list of businesses in your community where your family, friends, and neighbors are open for business. And if you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. All right, if you want to look at where the, the spike in COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin in the last couple of days in Milwaukee County and in Brown County has primarily come from two places, um, the, the prisons and prisons slash jails and the, these meatpacking plants up in Brown County. Now, this is not unique. Across the country, you are seeing a much higher percentage in the counties that have meatpacking plants of COVID-19 than pretty much anywhere else in the country except for New York. So my question is, what, should we go in and shut down the meat plants, given the fact that, well, they appear to be breeding grounds among the employees? 855-616-1620, Jerry in Manitowoc. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, I'm a, I'm a butcher at a local grocery store. I won't name the name, but... Okay, so I've been just filling in. It's not my real job. But it is so crazy that these people come in. You put it out. If you have a special, it's gone. And it's gone just like the toilet paper. But we're worried about next week. We were shorted from our warehouse. You know, every store, say there's 100 stores, they short everything. Okay, so you order 20 cases, you get eight in. 
you order right. hundred, you get forty. So, what's going to happen this next week if we're not getting production? We're not going to have any meat on the shelves. So we don't even. We our coolers are totally empty. We're we're finding stuff just to put out there. Is it because of a? Are, are you having? Is is it because there, there's a supply problem? Your suppliers are having trouble getting you the meat, or because people are coming in and, and hoarding, or, or both? It's it's both. It's both. It's the people that are coming in and and they're buying you know four packages when they need one, and right. it's the supplier sending us. You know, we order twenty, we get fifteen, but then the other people. So it's a kind of a balance. It's 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 insane. Yeah. No, I know. So, all right. No, no, Jerry. I, I appreciate it, and I, I think it's going. To, I mean, I think it's it's going to get worse. I mean, look, I, I just I, meat. You you cannot shut down the the meat producing you know industry in the United States. I mean, first of all, you you want to talk about creating a panic in in this country? It's if you shut off aspects of the food supply. People were frustrated enough and freaked out enough when you know you, you couldn't get or they perceived you couldn't get enough toilet paper or because there was a run on hand sanitizer. Can you imagine what we'd be like if if all of a sudden there there we went for a prolonged period of time where there there was no meat on on the shelves plus. I mean, think about the the repercussions of this because you've got you know you, you've got the the whole food chain that's out there. I've got a text here saying, Jeff, you got the farmers who raise the animals to be slaughtered, farmers who grow the products to feed the animals. Everything's going to get out of of whack. The whole thing that is is out there. Um, you know, right? That's that's the the whole idea behind this. Um, plus, you know, if you want to talk about the pressure that's going to be put on Again, the local communities, if you really get to a point where there's a problem with the food chain. Okay, so how do you solve this? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to, I think, recognize, and this is where I think OSHA needs to get involved and the plant owners need to get involved. you got to get in there and figure out, is there something that you can do to make these workers less likely to, to spread this? And now one thing I do not know about these numbers is how many of the, the it's workers that are infected versus workers' families that are infected. By that I mean, you know, it's somebody, you, okay, you get it at work, you go home, and, and you pass it on to your, your spouse, etc. So it, it's not diminishing that, but my guess is a, a goodly number of those people that have, have come down with this are people that's passed it on to their immediate family members, so it might not be a, as rampant. Uh, Tyson, I know, is starting to put in plexiglass shields on on the lines that you have that, that kind of separate the employees. But it is, it, it, it's a problem. And you, you cannot, under any circumstances, I, I think, shut down meat production in this country because if you do, you are going to have, I think, just, you, know, you want to talk about a psychological concern, you're going to have incredible psychological concerns. So this needs to be a priority, I think, figuring out, you know, what you're going to do with this. But it's a real issue. I mean, it, it's, it is a real issue that is out there because this is an industry across the country that is just being hit hard, hard, hard 
by coronavirus, by COVID-19, in percentages that are way out of whack to most other manufacturing concerns. Got to get it figured out because there's no way in the world, even if there is a risk that some of these employees are going to get sick, there's no way in the world, at least it seems to me, that you can, can shut down or even slow down production of meat. I just don't think the American public is going to stand for that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Occasionally, the the rhetoric in connection with the, the ongoing pandemic just drives me absolutely bonkers. And we're seeing that play out, of course, in, in Wisconsin. The, the governor, of course, issued a stay-at-home order. We all know about that. He has the right under the law to extend it. But he has now said he wants to extend it through the, the end of, of May. You have Republicans in the legislature who are going to the state Supreme Court to challenge that. And then you have the Wisconsin Democratic Party saying in a tweet, let's be clear about one thing. If Republicans are successful, people will die. All right, really? Okay, first of all, the the enhanced rhetoric does not help anybody. It's kind of like we were told if we had the in-person election, whatever you think about the merits of having an in-person election, hundreds of people are going to die. And and the fact is that that did not turn out to be the case. Here's the issue, which is getting lost. And let me try to make this really, really clear. We do not elect kings in this country. We elect governors. We elect presidents. I think too often a couple of our presidents think that they can operate as kings, And apparently sometimes governors think they can operate as kings. The law allows a governor, Tony Evers, Scott Walker, Jim Doyle, Tommy Thompson, the law allows them to issue an emergency order, essentially shutting down the state for health purposes. The law also has a very clear limit on how long that order can be in place because, again, we don't have kings. So the law essentially says you can do it for 60 days, which takes us to the middle of May. The governor has decided he doesn't think that law applies to him. And so the governor, through his health secretary, who hasn't even been not elected and hasn't even been confirmed by the Senate, she's issuing a separate order saying, all right, I'm going to continue to keep the state closed down. This legislation, this challenge to the law that says, that the governor doesn't have that authority. That You've got that 60 days, but under the law, you just can't continue to keep the state shut down on your own. The governor seems to take the position that, okay, even though this law doesn't give me the power to do it, the health secretary can shut down the state for an unlimited period of time, and nobody can question her decision. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know. Maybe it turns out to be right, but I don't think it's going to be the case. So it's not about we want people to die. It's a question of when you have a governor that decides to act like he is the king, you know, is it fair to try to rein in that governor's authority or at least get a determination about whether the governor has the authority to act like a king? That's what this litigation is about. I don't know how it's going to end up. My gut reaction says the governor probably doesn't have the authority to just on his own continue an order beyond what the statute says. But again, maybe I'm wrong. But okay, you're challenging this. You want people to die. Give me a break. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
so very glad to have you with us. If you look at the spread of, of coronavirus in Wisconsin, you see the spike in numbers that the meatpacking plant up in, in plants, actually, plural, in Brown County. Uh, nursing homes, huge problems. Senior living facilities, and we talked about this yesterday, just, just a, a breeding ground for this where you have lots of people living together, especially vulnerable populations. You've got folks coming in and, and out, and then you've got everybody that's eating at the, the same dining area. Everybody's you know touching the same handrails and things like that. It, it's, it's a challenge, and it's a challenge that's not going to go away once you solve the once we, even after you get a vaccine, for COVID-19, it, it's always going to be an issue. The other main area where you've seen a, a growth in the number of COVID-19 cases has been in, in the jails. Now, I'm looking at the numbers, uh, just Brown County, I'm, I'm sorry, Dane County, which largely has not seen a spike in coronavirus numbers. Uh they started testing people at the Brown County, at the Dane County Jail, and what they found is that they had um, 16 inmates who tested positive for the virus, many of them asymptomatic. But they decided, hey, we're, we're going to do broad testing. And they found, okay, we've got a lot of people that have it, even though, again, they're not showing any sort of symptoms of, of this. Uh, in the Milwaukee House of Correction, what you have is they started testing all the inmates. Now, the Milwaukee How- County House of Correction, you've got 623 inmates in the facility. They've started to do testing, I believe, of all of them. And as of Monday, they reported 63 confirmed cases of COVID-19. So as they're doing more and more testing, they're finding more people testing positive. Again, a lot of the people that are testing positive are asymptomatic, but they are testing positive on this and i i mean i think that that probably makes sense when you think about it you've got again number of people sharing the same sort of facilities um in a in a close-in space because of this state prison system has had some reports but nowhere near the percentage numbers but my my guess is that's probably going to go up as you get more widespread testing that's there because again a lot of people asymptomatic but what they're starting to do is they're starting to say okay we're going to look at all the prisoners and we're going to start testing to see what what people have right the response to this given the fact that you've got lots of people who are incarcerated they're in close quarters and what they've done, I, I think, in the Milwaukee House of Correction is they've taken the people who have tested positive and they're putting them in pods together. Um, and they're trying to keep them separate from the people who haven't tested positive yet. One of the solutions that, that a number of people are advocating for is to say, look, let, let's, let's just start releasing people. Uh, because, again, close quarters, sharing a, a lot of stuff. What we should do is we should start releasing people. I mentioned this in the program a, a week or two ago, and I, and I got an email afterwards from somebody who said, uh, "Gee, Jeff, I, I just I'm surprised at your lack of compassion, because my my brother's in a minimum security prison. He's there for fraud or something like that, and you know we're we're worried that you know he might contract this." because he's in these, these type of close quarters, and essentially the argument was, of course, he should be released. All right, let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. At this point in time, you, you don't see an inordinate number of, of, of deaths 
coming out of, of the prison system and the jail system. But you do see, you know, a lot of the people who, you know, are in these close quarters, they are ending up testing, you know, positive for, you know, coronavirus, just like people in the nursing homes testing positive for, for coronavirus, just like the people in some of these meatpacking plants testing positive for coronavirus. All right, what about the idea of just opening up the prison doors and for a large chunk of the inmates, maybe you say, okay, you're, you're, you're not a violent offender. You're not here for a crime of violence. So anybody not here for a crime of violence, anybody within the last year of their sentence, we're just going to let you go. Would that be a good idea? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, Florida did this. A man who was released committed murder within 24 hours of being released. Well, there's there's always going to be the risk that somebody you let loose, you know, commits a crime. But is, is that worth, Is as we balance that out, I mean, is that a justification for keeping people in prison? Jeff, um, how are how are people in prisons getting COVID? Well, my, my guess is it's kind of like people in nursing homes. Somebody comes in from the outside, whether it's, I don't know, a guard or whether it's, you know, somebody who is, you know, providing services to the prison or whatever. Somebody comes in and they've got it and they, they give it to somebody else. And once you have one inmate that gets it, you've got this close quarters and you've got all sorts of other inmates that get it. So, I mean, I, I understand, you know, how this spreads. And the truth of the matter is there's probably only so much that you you can do about it in the prison setting just like as a reality there's only so much you can do about it in the the senior living facilities you can do stuff to control it but um you you got people that are incarcerated and necessarily they're going to be you know living in close quarters is that a justification for releasing them 855-616-1620 gianni and montello you're on wtmj good afternoon uh, yeah, Jeff. Uh, uh, great topic. Hey, listen, um, I, I don't think I think it would be a disaster to to, to let uh, people out of prison. As you said before, and you, you, you repeat on your show, you've got to work pretty hard to get to get uh, convicted and sentenced to, to prison mm-hmm. these days. Um, I've stayed away from the man. I'm 56 years old and I've stayed away from the man and his boys for, for 56 years. I don't even have a traffic ticket. So um, I, I'm not uh, open to giving these people a pass. And, you know, maybe maybe the prisons are because they're they're sequestered. Uh, maybe we need to um, you know do a better job of not letting the virus in there in the first place. And yeah. maybe they're safe in, in, in a sequestered situation. Well, thanks for the call, Gianni. And see, actually, that that is that is my response to this as well. Instead of saying, "Okay, our reaction is now," look, if they're if if you've got some people that are on, for example, on a, on a work release sort of situation, and they they don't pose a flight risk, or they're at the very end of their sentences, okay, that that might be one thing. And and, and but then of course the operative question to me is going to be, okay, what what are you going to do with folks? I mean, where where are where are they going to go? Let's say you've got somebody that's got three years left on on their term. Now let, let's say let's say they're doing five years for you know a, a conviction for some white-collar crime, fraud or whatever, and they've got a lengthy record of that. Okay, if you just automatically say, 
okay, we're going to open up the jailhouse doors and we're going to let you go. Where is that, that person going to go? Where are they going to shelter at home? How, what are they going to live on? How is, is that going to work? I mean, those are all these practical things. That's why, you know, you have half, that's why, you know, we have transitional things. You have halfway houses. You know, when, when somebody's getting released from prison, you just don't, as a general rule, open up the doors and say, okay, here, you're, you're, you're done. Just, just go. Normally, there's sort of a phase in type of thing. You just don't dump people out into the overall community. I think the better way of dealing with this is to do exactly what you were talking about, Gianni, which is to say, all right, look, we've got to, in, in these times, you know, we've got to more than ever, we've got to control access to, to the facility. And, and we've, I think this is an example where testing is key. All right, because part of the problem, I believe, at the House of Correction was that you had a lot of people who were tested that aren't showing any sort of symptoms at all. They're, they're not sick, but they have it, but yet they can be transmitting it to somebody else. So this is one where I think testing really needs to be a priority. You do the testing. Once somebody tests positive, well, what you do is you, you move to segregate them or you put them in with some of the other people who are testing positive. You, you need to be aggressive in doing that, in separating people who are testing positive from the people who aren't testing positive. And you need to, I, I think, be aggressive with the people that are coming into the facility. Um, and, look, I, I, from the perspective of the guards, I mean, again, I, I've said this before, you could not pay me enough you know, to, to be a, a prison guard because, you know, you're dealing with all the other issues relating to prisons. And then on top of that, you know, you've got this situation where, you know, you're, you're coming in. So, I mean, I think, you know, testing has to be a priority on a regular basis for the guards as well. 855-616-1620. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Sure. What do you think? You know, well, I think it all boils down to the type of conviction and their record. Uh, if it's a nonviolent offense, then it's it's very easy to, to back that decision and say, sure, maybe we can release them a bit early. But if it's a violent offense or a violent mm-hmm. offender or someone that has gone out and hurt people or, or even something uh, that's like, uh, like DUIs where you might not be intentionally directly harming someone but still people are harmed as a result of those actions, uh, that that I think is where you really need to draw the line uh, because then you load uh, rapists uh, and murderers into the population. Yeah, th- thanks for call. Well, yeah, I, I just don't think. I mean, it's a complete and total non-starter to talk about people who have committed violent offenses. At, at least in my opinion. Now, some people don't necessarily think that way. Uh, again, if you want to talk about the very lowest level criminals or the people who are maybe are due to be released in thirty or sixty days, you know, that's one discussion. But that that's not the the bulk of the people. The bulk of the people that are going to be there are, are people that are at least serving a little bit of time. I have a text, Jeff. Non-violent offenders shouldn't die for loitering. Okay, well, well, first of all, the vast majority of people in the prison system, even those who are testing positive, aren't going to die. That's, that's just, that is just the reality of this. So let, let's not go overboard with this. And secondly, the vast majority of people who are in the prison system aren't there for loitering. <laughs> It's just, I mean, we need to have kind of a reality check that, that's out there. You know, if you want to look at the people who are, say, the, the oldest prisoners and the ones who are 
in those vulnerable categories, the, the ones who you know have the compromised immune systems, and I don't know what percentage of the overall prison or county jail population this is going to be, you know, the, the people that are in those highest risk categories, and you want to look at doing something special to give them some sort of added level of projection, protection, and, and maybe even looking at some form of early release if they have somewhere to go that they're not just as likely to pick it up. Okay, I, I think maybe that's something you look at on a case-by-case basis. But this idea that we're just going to open up the prison system and automatically reduce, release 30, 40, 50% of the people who are in, I, I'm sorry, I, I just see that as a complete and total non-starter. Can you be smart? Can you identify again? If there's a certain, if there's a certain subset of people that are in a particularly high-risk category, and you decide that we cannot protect them in the environment of, of the prison from this. We, we can't segregate them. There's nothing we can do to protect them. And so there's alternatives on the outside that offer them a higher level of protection. Well, okay, for, for those limited number of individuals, I think it's a fair conversation. I don't think it's going to end up being that many. For most people, I think what you have to do is recognize that we want to separate people. We want to be aggressive with testing. But you can't open up the doors and en masse let people go. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner, live sporting events. It's been a while, but now the NFL draft is here. It's live, and it's unlike any draft that you have ever seen before. Join WTMJ and 94.5 ESPN for the biggest and best 2020 NFL draft coverage on the radio. Hear from Packers legend Mark Tauscher, voice of the green and gold Wayne Larravee, and many more. It starts at 6 o'clock this evening. The 2020 NFL Draft Show presented by Professional Construction Inc., Palermo's Pizza, White Claw, and Wisconsin On Demand. How cool will that be? I understand it's just the draft, but... Boy, I think a lot of us are ready to at least see some form of sports again. Don't know exactly how that is going to happen. If you're wondering, if you're one of the people who's working at home, and you're glad to be working, so there's that plus there, but you're wondering, gee, when when, when are companies going to get back to normal? Um, interesting. CNN, now if you happen to be one of the people that watches CNN, what you've seen is that, as with many, many, TV operations and many, many radio operations, what they've done is they've figured out ways that the people can work at home. So it's why if you turn on the news, a lot of times you, you see the vast majority of people who are sheltering at home. They're not, they're not in studios. Uh, CNN is predicting that they don't think that they're going to send their staffers back into their offices until at least September. Uh, the head of CNN, his name is Jeff Zucker, told staff that the vast majority of the company will not be returning to the office in any significant way before the end of the summer. Our expectation is that the rest of you will not return before early September, with a few exceptions in July for news gathering, and then maybe some in August. Some of the dates could change, but um, to be clear, production of our programs will continue from home as it is now until the end of of summer huh now I, again i i've adjusted to you know to working at home and it you know but at the same time it, it's just not the same and i but i am wondering about you know what that that normal is and you have a lot of employers who have legitimate concerns about their, their employees. They have legitimate concerns about the nature of the workplace where there's only so much, 
social distancing you can do. You know, you've got a lot of employees and, you know, people are in their cubicles and the cubicles are close together. And no matter how you try to sanitize things, you know, everybody's everybody's touching the same sort of, of stuff. And so you, there's this issue where all you need is that one person who's sick that comes in and they get all sorts of other people sick. And even if it's not in a situation where it turns out to be a fatal case, all of a sudden you get all sorts of people sick and then they've got to go home and then you've got to figure out where the replacements are going to come from. I, I just, I, as I look into my crystal ball, for everybody who is working at home, I, I don't know how long that's going to be. I guess it never occurred to me that it could be the entire summer. But if you look at what at least CNN is saying, and that's only one outlet, you can kind of understand where they're coming from. And if more and more outlets decide that they're going to adopt, adopt that particular philosophy, it wouldn't necessarily be surprising to see just, just a lot of us plan on not going into the workplace for an extended period of time. I really hope it doesn't come to that because even though, like I say, I enjoy, I, I figured out how to work from home and I kind of enjoy it in my own way, I certainly enjoy missing my, I certainly miss my colleagues and the interaction and things like that. It, it's just not the same. And for a lot of people who are working at home, I, I know there's probably challenges. We're all figuring out how to do it. But in some jobs, it is perhaps easier than others to do. So bottom line is, CNN says we're not bringing people back till the end of the summer at the earliest. Wow. When we come back, Groundhog Day, and what are you going to do first? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. You know, th- there is there is occasionally some good news when it comes to how you know, we're dealing with coronavirus. And I think sometimes it's, it's easy to get lost in the numbers and the you know, the relentlessly bad news coverage and the stories about this, the number of people died, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it is true that we're also making progress. Um, one of the big concerns from the beginning, and it's a legitimate concern, and it's where the whole notion of flattening the curve comes, the fact that you, you don't want the healthcare system to be overwhelmed. If we accept that there's not going to be a cure for coronavirus until you, you develop a vaccine a year from now, 18 months from now, you got to recognize that coronavirus is going to be with us. People are going to catch it. So what you have to do is make sure that the hot, that there's not so many people that are catching it that it ends up overwhelming the healthcare system. So the people who get it and need, for example, hospitalization can get it. That's the whole note behind flattening the, the curve. And we also have to recognize, and I think it's a medical reality, that, you know, coronavirus, you're, you're going to see outbreaks. And this was the big thing that flared up, you know, yesterday about, you know, some of the, the president's advisors. And he was unhappy that they said, what could come back in the fall? Well, of course it could come back in the fall. That's just going to be the reality. It's something that we're going to have to live with and manage in a responsible sort of fashion. But but the whole key is, number one, testing, and number two, making sure that the people who who need the treatment, have that treatment available. One of the good news aspects in Wisconsin has been that the hospital system has not been overwhelmed. And that, you know, now we, we have the extra capacity. They they took, what, the Expo Center at State Fair Park, and they've turned that into an emergency overflow thing. 
hopefully they're not going to ever have to use that. But but okay, you, you've got that there. Same thing is, is true in Madison. Even in some of the areas that were the hardest hit, you haven't seen the hospital capacity overwhelmed. And, and the latest example of that is the, um, the hospital ship um, that, that went to New York. You, you know, it's called the, the Comfort. And maybe you can remember a couple weeks ago, there were, interestingly, all these people violating the, the safer-at-home rules to show up and, and watch the ship pull in by the Statue of Liberty. But in any event, this hospital ship was there because New York wanted to make sure that its hospitals were not overwhelmed when they were going through the spike in this. And so the the, the ship came in, and what they found is that it's been there for about three weeks, and it was almost never used. Um, they had a 1,000 hospital beds. It's been there for the better part of a month, and and very few people needed it. So today... The, the news is that the hospital ship is leaving. Now, that's good news because it, it means that the hospital system is not being overwhelmed and they can get rid of it. I'm Look, I'm, I would be the last person to criticize, for example, the decision to turn part of State Fair Park into the, the overflow thing because you want to have it. You know, better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it's likely that we're going to need that either. But so they brought the ship in. The ship didn't need to be used, and so now the the ship is is leaving. And so that's that's a positive because again, the healthcare system not being overwhelmed. Matter of fact, if you look at, at New York, which of course was the epicenter, and the good news about this is that, um, that the hospital system, with the exception of one hospital, apparently was was not was not overwhelmed by by the number of people who had to be hospitalized, um, and and they dealt with it, and that's that's a that's a good thing. And hopefully that's not going to happen in the future. But it is a little bit of good news because it shows that maybe at least in some areas we're starting to get a handle on this, which the quicker you get a handle on it, the easier we can all return to normal. All right, speaking of that, there's an interesting piece in the Washington Post today that caught my attention. I don't know about you. For me, my life is kind of like the movie Groundhog Day. You know, where you, you repeat the same thing over and over again. Now, now, normally, in an average day, you work day, you get up, you get ready for work, you get in your car, you hop the bus, whatever, you, you go to work, you interact with your colleagues, everybody's got a, a different kind of story, you come home, maybe you go out to dinner, maybe you go to a ball game, maybe you go to a movie, you get up, and it's, it's rinse and repeat. But there's a little bit of a difference from day to day. <laughs> I, if you're like me, my life is very much Groundhog Day. It's pretty much the, the same sort of thing day day after day. You wake up. Now, I keep to a routine. You wake up. You, and in my case, you get ready for work. You come into your office, do the job. Afterwards, my wife and I go on a walk in the neighborhood. On weekends, we, we drive somewhere and, and go on a walk at someplace different. And then you come home. You eat dinner. But, but there's not... You're not going out. You're not seeing different people. Yeah, I talk to my friends. I talk to my relatives. Talk to my, you know, family members and things like that. But, but you're you're not you're not seeing them. You're not doing something different. It's pretty much the same thing day after day after day, which which is fine. You know, which is fine. It's just what the new normal is. But here's what I would like to discuss with you, and it's it's prompted again by this piece in the Washington Post. All right, this is going to end at some point in time. Don't don't know when. But at some point in time, this is all going to end. My question is, fill in the blank. 
the first thing I'm going to do when this is all over is blank. The first thing I'm going to do when this is all over is you fill in the blank. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's the first thing that you are going to do when when the restrictions are, are lifted, when we can go back and start having some semblance of normalcy, whenever that might be? The first thing you are going to do is... 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We are back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. The first thing you're going to do when this is all over is Rosie in Illinois. Rosie, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, I'm going to Door County. I'm going to walk around in Peninsula State Park and just give my thanks to God. I want to see that <laughs> water. It. I want to see that park. Uh-huh. I just want to, that's all I want to do. Well, th- there you go. I, I think that that's great. Are you a golfer? Not at all. No, we just camp and we just oh. love to go up there. And we stay away what? from the crowds. If the crowds are there, we go, if they're on the right, we go to the left. Got it. Thanks for the call, Rosie. I mean, the reason I ask is I, I love I, I love that golf course at Peninsula State Park, um, especially the, the the I think it's the back nine where you've you've got four or five holes that you've got spectacular views of the water. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The first thing I'm going to do when this is all over is Jack and Elkhorn. Jack, what's up? How you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you, sir. First thing I'm going to do is go to church and thank the Lord, and then I'm going to go to the bar on my way home. Or vice versa, I'll go to the bar and then go to church. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, whatever, you know, the bar is going to get its, and the Lord will get get the the Lord's. Um, Are are, are you going to be hesitant? Are you think you're going to be hesitant to go back to a bar anytime soon? Not really, you know. Well, the bars out here, they're... There's all friends, all friends. Well, they're all friends, you know. But I'm just saying. Right. Um, and they, 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 I stopped at one of the bars I go to, and they walked in there. They were outside, and they, 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 they washed the walls from the wall, from the top ceiling down to right. the floor. All the bar stools, all the all the curtains, all the bottles, everything right. are completely clean. You know. Right. They're just waiting well, to reopen. No, thanks for the call, Jack. I, I I appreciate your plan. Church and, and the tavern to me, that's that that's 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 what Wisconsin is all about. I mean, just you know, the, hit the church, hit the tavern. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As soon as this is all over, what's the first thing that you are going to do? Let's talk to Jim in Brookfield. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I'm going to go up to Trempolo, Wisconsin, on the Mississippi River, and I'm going to sit down on the outside deck at the Trempolo Inn, and I'm going to have an <laughs> ice-cold beer and look at the Mississippi River. So you, you've you been thinking about that, too. It involves a little bit of travel, some great sightseeing, and then um, and, and then a cocktail, huh? Probably hike Brady's Bluff and look at the river and have a cold beer and, yep, just be out in the nice, nice wild. Nothing... Nothing wrong with that. It sounds like a plan. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Let's get our text line is exploding here. Uh, Jeff, um, I miss nothing more than my favorite bartenders holding me, handing me an ice-cold craft beer. Jeff, I am a swimmer. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going swimming. I cannot wait. 
Um, Jeff, the first this is texting from Muskego. The first thing I'm going to do is have my granddaughters over for their glow in the dark Easter egg hunt, and then have them fish on my pier. Then we're having a family cookout. Jeff, first thing that I am going to do, I'm going to Mayfair and I'm going to shop, shop, and shop. Mike uh, says, uh, Jeff, first thing I'm doing, I'm an essential employee in a grocery store up here in Sheboygan. I'm going to be taking a vacation to get away from people. That is the interesting thing. Uh, you know, For a, a lot of us who are sheltering at home and are told, okay, don't go and don't go interact, there are the essential workers, particularly if in the grocery stores and all, um, they're, they're not sheltering in place. They're probably sick of being around people. Jeff, the first thing I'm going to do is take the money that I've been saving the last couple of weeks. I'm going to the Ho-Chunk Casino in Wisconsin Dells. Well, that's, you know, I'm interested because that's going to be one of the things. How how quickly are going to people are going to people rush back to casinos? Are, are people going to be reluctant? Because, uh, again, it's it seems to me it's going to be tough to like social distance in in the places where you know any given time you'd expect to have a couple thousand people in the casinos um jeff we're going to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary which we had planned for april 4th with family and special friends um this is cool jeff i'm i'm going to be doing revenge shopping all right well there you go jeff i'm going to invite all my kids and grandkids over for a big barbecue party jeff the first thing i'm going to do is go see my adult children and give them a big uh, hug jeff as soon as disney world reopens i'm going to be on that plane checking it out well if you were listening earlier there, there's some people are saying they don't think disney world's going to reopen till january all right here's one this is from bill in burlington and it's a uh, something right after my own heart jeff First thing I'm going to do is get a haircut. You think toilet paper was crazy? Wait until 300 people need a haircut appointment. Yes, I, I'm hoping I'm in, in good standing with uh, with the people that cut my hair because I'm, I'm in the same sort of situation. Need a haircut. Um, Jeff, I'm going for a fish fry and a brandy old-fashioned. Yeah, there is that. I mean, I, I've been, of course, on Fridays, we've been going to one of our favorite fish fry places and picking it up for carryout, but not the same as going in. Jeff, I'm going to go to a bar after work, um, <laughs> after a grueling day of grooming all the dogs that are overdue. Yeah, you notice that there is a theme here. A lot of people wanting to hit the taverns. Jeff, I'm going to give friends a handshake and a hug. Um, amen to that. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to go to um, Elk. I'm going to go to the Portage Elks Lodge, drink coupon, drink copious amounts of Miller High Life, and sacrifice brain cells to the coronavirus gods. Um, yes, Lyndon O'Connor says, I'm going to book a pedicure and a haircut. I think a lot of that probably going on. Jennifer in Milwaukee. Jennifer, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. We have a long list, and a lot of those things are true for us, too, but we're a sports family, a summer sports family, and all of us play baseball or softball. And we just can't wait to be able to go to a game, too. Yeah, wonder when that's going to be. <laughs> I just, I, I wonder yeah. when that's going to be. Either yeah. watching no, thank- one or playing one just in the park. Gosh, just that's, we missed that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, th- thanks for call. I just, I, 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 I mean, every day I'm, I'm sitting here at my, my desk upstairs, and I, again, I mentioned this before, I'm a 20-pack season ticket holder to the Brewers, and I've got, I'm old school, so you, you can get, they'll send you the tickets that you can put on your phone and, and use that. I just don't like to do it. It costs you a couple bucks extra, but they, I, I like to have the hard copies of the tickets. I, I just, I just do. And, I mean, every day I sit here and I look at the, 
the games that are that are going by that you're you're never going to get back. I mean, I think so far out of the twenty games already, there would have been um, there would have been four, and then uh, you know next week an, another one. And 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 I mean, candidly. I just, you know, you, you wonder if, if there's going to be any sort of professional sports or even minor league sports going on this entire summer. You just don't know how that's going to work out. But, yeah, I think that's going to be something that everybody misses. You know, it's, it's one of the things that contributes to what I was talking about with the Groundhog Day stuff earlier. Because even though a lot of us, you know, you have the same routines day in, day out, you know, when you've got, if you're a sports fan in particular, well, there's always going to be something different. Brewers played, you know, on Wednesday night. Brewers played on Thursday afternoon or whatever. You have those different conversations. There's always different stuff to talk about. You know, now, not, not so much. I mean, nothing going on except, of course, the NFL draft, which you can hear at 6 o'clock this evening on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner.